And welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick. And a very tired Janelle. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we welcome you to another podcast uh, as we look at things uh, involving marriage, things that uh, affect people in marriage and and everything related, even things with the uh, with our with our past and, and uh, present, and and uh, just all everything in between. We just kind of look at all the different elements involving our lives, and and hopefully it's something that will uh, help you and, and maybe bless you. And and um, yeah, you're you're a little you are a little tired, and uh, you didn't get any sleep last night, did you? I didn't. I was up wandering around. I was folding laundry at two thirty. Yeah, I so figured I something doing. was up, and then uh, Mika had to go outside to bark at somebody. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me just tell you. We laid down around midnight, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. And then I'm staring at the ceiling, staring at the ceiling, staring at the wall, staring at the ceiling. And then finally I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to get up and go fold those that basket of clothes. So I come out. I waited until you were just softly snoring. Like I was like, okay, now it's safe to get out. But because our bedroom door is locked, it goes click. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it woke I you up. I think I heard that. So then I came out here, got a drink, folded the clothes, read some of Nick's book, started to edit pictures, realized that that wasn't going to work because I was too tired. Mm-hmm. Wandered around, came into the living room. Kipper was laying where I wanted to lay. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I decided that I would go lay down in bed because I had finally gotten, this is like at 3.30 or some stupid mm-hmm. hour like that. Mm-hmm. I was laying there still staring at the walls and the ceiling. And then um, I, you know how your body feels super heavy and you're just oh, just about mm-hmm. there. And then Mika starts crying and whining in her crate. I almost said crib. (laughs) In her crate. And so I get up out of bed and I let her out and I set an alarm for 20 minutes so that I could put her back in her crate because at this point it was like 345. Like it was really early. Mm -hmm. And she goes out there and instantly starts barking. But I had just laid down on the couch when she started barking. And then up I came because I'm not going to let that happen and ruin our relationship with neighbors. So... In her crate, she went, and I laid back down, and then an hour and 45 minutes later, the alarm went off. <laughs> you know, that dog is, she's actually really good at detecting stuff outside that you do not hear. Uh, she'll sit there, and you might hear like a woof, kind of like a noise, and she'll hear something, and she'll alert to it. And it's like, what in the world is going on? I let her outside, and she makes a beeline for the fence. Something's over there. Mm-hmm. And it's like she hears it like she's that good. But uh, anywho, uh, yeah, and then I was on my way to work, and then um, on, f- I guess, is that 52? Yeah, it's, that's considered 52. Um, just near this the fire station down here, there had been an accident, and that's about the only way. I'm sure there's probably some other route you could take to get into Portsmouth that'd be like 45 minutes longer. But where? But, there's, yeah, no I don't li- know. there's no roads by that point. You would probably have to backtrack all the way past our house and then go up north to 32 uh, and then across. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. Because even the route down here that takes you through that winding passage to West Union, that was on up. You can't even get to that. Right. But there was an accident, and it shut that it shut both lanes down. And they had a helicopter. I don't know if it's Life, Life Net or who that is that's around here. 
and they were coming in to land at the uh, fire station to pick up whoever was there. And the ambulance took somebody else away, and I haven't heard anything more about it. But uh, my boss, I told him, I sent him a picture. I'm like, yeah, I might be a while. And he's like, can you work from home? I'm like, yeah, I can. And so finally I waited for a while longer because I saw the one ambulance leave and then another sheriff's deputy arrived and then I saw the helicopter uh, at one point come in and I was like, this is just getting really hairy. And so <laughs> other people would kind of turn around and we're heading heading back. And then I went ahead and I turned around and luckily we were only about a half a mile, a mile away, about a mile away. And then I came home and got into the VPN and hooked up and I was able to do some work today. So, uh, yeah, I was thankful for that, but I hope hopefully that wasn't. A horrible situation for those folks because that looked bad. Yeah. There's a curve up there, and I almost wonder if somebody was either missed the curve. Like, it's not a severe curve. It's a slight turn. Well, it's a slight curve that banks to the left if you're headed our way. And I almost wonder if somebody was going too fast or something happened, or maybe they're trying to avoid a deer. I don't know, but something happened where they were off the road, it seemed, and there was a really bad incident that took place. But anyway, so it worked from home today. And you know what? Working from home, I would say, is for some people and for others not. I will tell you this. I prefer my office. And it's because I feel like the lighting and everything, like you are, your body is in tune when you're at work to get work done. When you're at home, that's your happy place. That's where you're relaxed and you're just like, you just get so tired. And you're like, uh, it's just like, uh. but anyway. So, um, yeah, I guess I feel like I'm more productive. I'm more alert in my office, I guess. See, I'm, I'm more alert at home. Yeah, see, it's not for everybody, I guess. I like my office. I like working in my office. You know, it's just. He's productive. Well, you have I'm a productive. nicely decorated office, too. Yeah. Well, if I'm going to spend eight or nine hours a day there, then I want to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am, it's happy. You know, so, anywho, um, today we thought we would cover a topic re- with regards to um, setting boundaries in a marriage. And this um, is going to, this, a couple of the examples we're going to use are going to focus heavily on um, um, ministry. But this is something that does not just apply to ministry. It applies to anyone. Because um, in the time that we live, marriage uh, has never been more under attack than it has now. And marriage has never been so lightly regarded as it is now. Um, all too often, especially with the uh, emergence of social media, you have an ease now where people can come into contact. Um, old flames are reconnected from high school and whatever else happens. It's not just finding somebody through snail mail and locating their address. You can just go on Facebook and find it's literally this easy. There was a friend of mine that uh, we were like best friends years ago and um, she had moved. I thought she'd moved to Indiana or whatever. And I was a kid and I didn't know anything where she went. And then one day I was like, you know what? This was probably about five or six years ago. I was like, I wonder what happened to her. And I couldn't really remember her last name. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to see if, what she's into. And I, lo and behold, found her. And we, we became friends again. And uh, it was just really kind of like strange. Like here, this person's been gone all that time. And then you find out where, what happened to that person. But it shows like that's a good thing of social media where you can find people. But you also have to be very, very careful. Um with regards to social media. Some of the things like one of the examples we're going to use here involves letters because of the time period, but social media and text messages. Yes. It's very easy now. Communication, communication is so easy now. And I think that has kind of made it easier for, um, situations to arise that may not be conducive to a happy marriage. 
uh, with regards to people connecting with one another and maybe certain attachments becoming encouraged. And you have to be very careful. And that's kind of what we're going to discuss today is being careful in a marriage and setting boundaries. There has to be boundaries. So um, a couple things. There was three different examples I wanted to look at um, today. And I'm completely, because where you're, you, uh, your background and everything, especially, um, this can definitely be something that you can kind of take the forefront on and provide your input as we go through. Um, but one of the things I wanted to start off with was, uh, John Wesley. Um, you know, John Wesley is the kind of the father of the Methodist movement and the entire sanctification, uh, and all of that came from him. He was very, very highly regarded. I think in England at one point they considered him like England's best loved man. Um, and but that was not always the case. There was an example where he and his wife at one point were leaving a service. They did not agree with what he said, and they were pelting his coach with rocks. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that did not that did not go well. Um, so um, what I want to look at is. As many people know, in growing up, I had always heard the horror stories of his wife. See, I didn't. I did. Where was I? I had always heard he had a horrendous... That's what your dad (laughs) says about me. That's that's his line for me. Um, But um, I had always heard horror stories about his wife and about how terrible she was. I heard the story growing up about how um, someone had walked in and seen her dragging him by the hair of his head around the house. You know, whether that happened or not, I don't know. I have not looked into that particular detail deep enough. And to see if there's multiple sources on that, I saw where one person had vouched for that, I believe. Um, But when you look at a situation like that, his marriage, it had to start falling at some point. What was that point? What caused everything to go? Like she would stand up in his church services and she would rail against him about uh, all the horrible things that he was doing or whatever. And then he, I guess he was alleged to have said at the end when she sat down or whatever, he's like, well, at least you didn't call me an adulterer, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so there, things were not happy there. They were not happy. Uh, he is uh, alleged to have said, I cannot wait to, I hope I don't see your wicked face again. Uh, and he wrote someone one time in a letter that um, he said, you know, if she's gone, uh, um, uh, he's happy about it. And he's not going to chase after her. And he said, he, he said his brother, and I think they said this is a joke. He said, my brother refers to her as my best friend. You know, he says, my best friend <laughs> is my brother refers to her. And I thought, yeah, he's, he's saying it with tongue in cheek is that is not his best friend any longer. <laughs> But that is sad. It is really sad because your wife should be your yes. best friend and your confidant. And right. What happened with him, and, I, and, and I'll try not to be as lengthy tonight as we were last week, but um, he was very much against, from what I've read, he was very much against marriage at one point, especially if you uh, were in service for the kingdom of God. He felt that that would kind of get in the way of ministry. He advised people, the men, uh, that you should always put the kingdom first, not, um, not, not think of marriage um, because there's a possibility that it could, you know, cause an issue, um, and get in the way of your ministry and prevent you from serving God fully. But something happened at some point where he uh, changed his tune and he wanted to marry. And I believe I had read where he felt that that would better his ministry. Now, here's the thing, or better help him serve the ministry or better fulfill him to serve the ministry. The first issue I would find with that is don't marry because you think it's going to help your ministry. Um, that's not the reason for it because if you're going to do, if you are truly going to do something like that, you have to be extremely careful and absolutely 100% 
uh, sure that the woman you marry or the husband you marry shares your vision. Because from what we find, she did not share that vision necessarily. She may have initially, but no one likes to get rocks thrown at them. <laughs> that's, that's very unpopular. Um, you're, you're, you're going to say. I mean, I think if God calls you to do one thing, if God calls a pastor to be a pastor. Right. Um, and there's a different, there's a differing thing. We've had this conversation between a pastor and a preacher. If God calls someone, a man to be a pastor, there is an equal call to the spouse that he has been intended for to become a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. I actually do feel like that because I don't think God calls one half of the equation. Mm -hmm. He doesn't put you together in a perfect marriage or I'm going to say there are no perfect, but you know, he doesn't put you together with your perfect person. Right. And then call half of the half of the equation. Right. He. This is something that they have here, evidently from his journal, um, and he wrote this about um, how important the, the Lord's work was. Um, he said, "I cannot understand how a Methodist preacher can answer it to God to preach one sermon or travel one day less in a married than in a single state. In this respect, surely it remaineth that they who have wives be as though they had none." So that kind of tells you that he's, in a way, he's almost saying if you have a spouse, you, regardless of her or maybe for that matter him, uh, whether it's a woman who has a call to serve God, then you need to just take their needs and make them, they, 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 it's almost like he's saying here they don't necessarily matter. Um, but it's obvious that he did love her, but there was, there was friction that began. And that friction began... Um, he wait, had, wait, did he actually, but did he actually love her or did he use her as like a tool for ministry? like her and use her as a tool? Did he tolerate her? That's a possibility. I mean, she didn't seem to have much of a, but she actually had been like her father had been in business and I don't know if she was a widow. Uh, she may have been a widow. I don't think she was. Um, I could be wrong on that. Somebody's probably saying that out loud as they're driving some players to the radio. She was or she wasn't, and they know for a fact. Um, I didn't come across that. Um, what I was focused on here was just some of the issues they had between each other. Um, but what happens is that he had given her permission to read his letters. And that she evidently had been going through those letters, um, and he had a lot of correspondence that he had to keep up with. And um, obviously, there is a sense of trust there. And hey, I have nothing to hide. You can what's mine is yours. You can read it; it doesn't matter. And honestly, when it comes to a situation where you are married and you are husband and wife, especially in a ministry, this is just me. There are no secrets. Mm-hmm. And 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 the moment that you have somebody from a congregation coming up to you saying, "Please don't tell anyone," I'm sorry. That's that. Me and my wife, my my kids may not know, but me and my wife, because she is my other, she is my better half. And we are going to discuss that together, that we are one. What you say to her goes to me. What you say to me goes to her, and we confer. That's just how it rolls. And that's what you should expect. At least that's my perspective. That seemed to be somewhat going on here, at least from the permission he gave her to read his personal letters. Um, And eventually, even though he told her directly that she had permission, about a year prior or so, he told the gentleman, I think his name was... um, Mr. There was a Mr. Blackwell that handled his letters. He told him not to make sure. He told him to make sure that his letters did not fall into her hands anymore. And so I don't know what happened between that point 
where he gave her permission, unless he said, here, you have access. And then he tells that guy, hey, hold on to my letters, please. I don't, I, no one, at least I don't know. I don't know why. But she then does something, and it's like, you, there had to be a reason why she was, why she was searching. Something was up. I, we don't really know. But the first chink in the armor shows up here. Um, and it's January 20th, 1758. And she's going through the pockets of his jacket. Now, she, if they were that, if they were protective of the material, like I don't care what you do with my jacket. I, I literally could care less. But she went into his pocket and pulled out a letter that he was writing, had not sent it, and it was to a Sarah Ryan. And the contents of the letter, allegedly alleged letter here that that they have documented. Um, he says some things that personally should honestly should they should be reserved for your wife. I could not imagine saying these to another woman, though I am married, like with myself being married. I, I could not imagine that. And this is what he said. He says the he's writing this to Sarah Ryan. And imagine, if you will, you are John Wesley's wife, and he she opens up this letter and looks at it. The conversing with you, either by speaking or writing. This is his letter. To another woman, <clears throat> the conversing with you either by speaking or writing is an unspeakable blessing to me. Okay. I cannot think of you without thinking of God. Oh, okay. Don't know about that. Others often lead me to him, but it, but it is, as it were, going round about. And then this is probably what got her furious. You bring me straight into his presence. And he says that to another woman. I imagine that when he got home... Uh, or she confronted him in the house, she probably had this in her hand, and she said, what's this? And there was probably a confrontation involving, what are you doing going through my pocket? What are you doing writing this to this woman? And that very day, she takes off, and she leaves for a couple of days. Like, there obviously was not a very good conversation between the two of them. Something spiraled out of control at that point over that letter, and probably a what he considered a um, uh, an overriding of his privacy. And you know, he sure, according to the relationship they had or whatever arrangement they had, he had his right to privacy, uh, to his jacket possibly. You know, some people do not care. Maybe he did, and he had said, you know, leave my jacket alone. I, I don't know what the reason was, uh, but obviously that caused a problem. And um, there was a series of departures that she had after that, and uh, things continued to spiral out of control. And you will find that even after she had left, he was still corresponding with this person. And she, uh, or he was even corresponding with other people's like um, wives. And I'm not saying that to sound bad, but the stuff that he was saying, it was too personal. And it's almost like he was building an emotional connection with these people that really should have been reserved for his wife only. Mm -hmm. And I mean, can you imagine uh, telling another person other than your spouse, um, you bring me straight into his presence, referring to God. I, I, I just cannot. And I had a conversation with somebody and they said, well, you, you're not really sure about how open people were back then with their feelings. And it's like, well, one thing I can be sure of is that she was not pleased with this letter. That, give, that tells you all you need to know about what she thought about this letter. Whatever was in this letter was not acceptable. And from this little snippet, that didn't go over very well. But being open and being emotionally right. um, fed by another woman, mm -hmm. 
I mean, I can only imagine her secure, her insecurity in her marriage right. because, um, you know, you have your husband who is supposed to be confiding in you, who is keeping secrets. Um, because, and that's another thing. It may have been a completely different scenario if she was, he was actually open with her about, um, the letter that he was writing, the correspondences that he was having with these, with these women, it would have been a completely different scenario if she would have been privy to them, but she wasn't. These were obviously a little bit of a blind side, which means there was an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't get the, getting that at home. And I am not saying, I'm just saying, be communi- communicate with your yeah. spouse about what you what you need. Yeah, my goal is not to throw mud at John Wesley. My my goal is to say that he was human like everyone else. And that he may have been susceptible to the, well, he was susceptible to the very same uh, issues that face everyone. Um, how they respond to those issues is where they differ. And with him, um, it seems that he doubled down a bit when it came to, you know, being correct with how he felt. She didn't agree with it, and it started to create a very severe rift between the two of them to where she would take off at times and she just wouldn't come back home. Um, I think at one point maybe she tried uh, to get things back together, and he would write glowing reports to other people in their letters about how they were getting along. And to me, once more, there's too much. It's TMI. There was too much information that was being put towards other people other than your spouse and much of it to the opposite gender. That just that just goes, and they would have their they would be a well he like one well, one time uh, you know, like he talked to her about um, uh, how she was saying things behind his back and whatnot. Like I said, she stood up in a service and she confronted him about some things. And once again, because of those outbursts, was she correct in the way she did? Was she she lashed out? Probably not. No, that's not how you do it. But you have to say that where there's a fire, there had to be a spark somewhere. Something something lit that fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that there seems to have been distrust because of his openness to people of the opposite gender. And maybe it was innocence, I don't know, but there were things that he said here that I know I certainly wouldn't say to the opposite sex, especially since I'm married. And again, there's the gender thing. Right. Because women need... That emotional, men are much more logical. I know it's stereotypical, but they are. Guys run in their brain, women run in their heart. It just, it just is, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So when you have that emotion that's being fed, you know, maybe her husband wasn't meeting her emotional need, and she was getting, you know, whatever pleasure it was from being sought out or being the person that took him straight in. Right into the presence of God. Um, I mean, we had those, we didn't even have to sit down and make those boundaries. It just happened. Yeah. There are zero men that I have conversations with on Facebook messenger on, um, text message, any of it right? that you are not included in. Right. And if it, if I do get a message from a man that is not in the family, right? Privately, when I respond, I include you. I add you into the conversation, right? To make sure that there are just no 
there's too much of a me too and people who will lie, 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 lie about what has happened and things that have happened. And I am not about to open myself up to the me too. Um, it kind of goes, it works both ways. Even like if I get a text message from somebody, uh, or whatever, generally you're the first one that knows. And it's because if it's, especially if it's involving something with like a church or somebody asking for advice or something, I value your input. And so we usually sit there and we confer back and forth about things. And, you know, even when I was, uh, going around doing visitation and things like that at the, uh, at Jackson Avenue, um, I remember that in my mind, I considered it strategic outreach is what I called it, where um, I felt that a, a certain age range did best recruiting a certain age range. Kids did great getting other kids to come to church. Uh, middle-aged people did great going after other middle-aged people, male with male, female going for females to bring them in. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember there was a, I was dating at the time, and it made it easier to go pretty much anywhere. But then uh, after a while, I was single, and I was not going into certain places that I had at one point because there was always that fear that something could be said or you could be put into a bad light, and a rumor would start, and then you're you're shot. You know, it's it's your your reputation's ruined because of that. Right. And you may not recover from that, or you could, but it would be a really really long process. Right. Um, and so between the two of them here, it seemed like he kind of doubled down a little bit and he responded to her at one point. Uh, I believe this was another letter. Uh, he said, your behavior as to the money, he's, I'm not sure what they was referring to the money. He said was admirable. You did yourself much honor thereby. You behaved like a woman of honor, sense and conscience. Oh, why should not you behave so in everything? Commit your cause unto the Lord and speak nothing against me behind my back. Later, he says, uh, do not any longer contend for mastery for power, money or praise. Be content to be a private, insignificant person, known and loved by God and me. Attempt no more to abridge me of the liberty which I claim by the laws of God and man. Leave me to be governed by God and my own conscience, then shall I govern you with gentle sway. Them some fighting words in a modern day. <laughs> if you tell that to your wife today, you are out the door. That will not. See this face? Yes, your eyes are squinted, <laughs> and I would say the shotgun's loading. That that does not fly. To me, I see a passive aggressiveness there that is coming back, and uh, it it's just it's just really sad because time goes on and 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 their rift continues, and he ends up spending about she gets he, he's really sick and she's by his bedside for a while. I don't know how long, and then off he goes. Uh, he's recovered. She gets a fever. He comes and stops by for about an hour. Her fever breaks, and he just leaves and gets back on his horse and off mm. he goes. And there's that, but that's a reflection of the depth of their relationship. It was not deep at all. Mm-mm. It wasn't. And most likely because they married for the wrong reason. He yes. got married to enhance his ministry. And unfortunately, my dad has the saying that um, if you sacrifice your family on the altar of ser- service, you failed. Yes. And he sacrificed her on the altar of his service. And I think that he didn't do his homework enough because if he would have found the right person who would have been like, you know what, John, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. We're going to ride together. We're going to go to these places. They throw rocks or eggs. Doesn't matter. I'm with you through this thick and thin. I feel that God wants me to be by your side. If he'd have found that person, boy, it'd have been a different scenario altogether. But you look at this situation and you find somebody who basically... Um, was not compatible 
to his ministry goals. And that's something else that I'll put out there. If you're going to get married, you have got to make sure if you have dreams and ambitions, you better make sure they line up with that other person. Mm -hmm. Because if they're pulling in the opposite direction, then at some point your marriage is going to come to a cataclysmic halt and there's going to be some problems, severe problems. And all this, if this would have been in modern days, I'd have said John, John Wesley and his wife needed a counselor. Mm-hmm. And they need to sit down. They had some trust issues, and uh, they needed boundaries that needed to be set. He did not need to be talking to people of the other of the other side, other gender, in that way. Whether it's innocent or not, you don't sit there and tell somebody um, that you bring me straight into His presence, referring to God, or other people lead me in a roundabout way around God, but you take me directly in, or I cannot think of you without thinking of God. You can't say that. You cannot. I would never dream of telling another woman anything of that nature. That does not fly. Cannot do it. And I'm not, once again, I'm not bashing Wesley. I'm saying that he was human, and I believe that the issues that contributed to the fall of their marriage were from both parties. Exactly. There's no one person in, no. you know, in a marriage or problems that had, you know, right. is completely innocent in it. And the problem with, you know, you said we're not bashing Wesley, right? but he is human. And here's what happens when humans are put on a pedestal, mm-hmm. that pedestal will 100% of the time crumble because no one outside of God is perfect. Right. So putting humans on a pedestal should never ever happen. It's not fair to the other person and it's not fair to the people who put him, put him on the pedestal. I think that when they're on that pedestal and they do fall, the fall is even greater and it makes an even louder sound and more racket and takes more, makes more notice, especially when it's in religious circles, because people love to see a religious, uh, especially someone of high moral character, especially if they have, they, well, there has to be a reason why they're, something's got to be going on behind there or they don't like them when their fall is great. It, it is it is great indeed, and people make a lot of notion and, and notoriety out of it, and it's a shame that that happens, but it does happen. I don't uh, think there's anyone. I can't think of anyone in the CHM or otherwise that I've just been in awe of being in their presence. I, I can't. I mean, and this, this is a little off track. I was the only one in the hospital when I was drawing blood that would draw the doctor's blood. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the alphabet soup they have behind their name. They couldn't do my job. Mm -hmm. I didn't put them on pedestals. I haven't been in, I've been in services where the preacher did really good and he, and the spirit was moving, Mm -hmm. but it was God, not that man. And putting that person up on a pedestal leaves you again, open for heartbreak or discouragement or, well, he's just plain carnal. Some of the best ministers, some of the best preachers I've ever heard were those who never graced the halls of a Bible college. And some of the ones that I've heard that would kind of make me wince are the ones who have gone to Bible college. So even some people like to take credentials, education, and put people up on a pedestal for that matter. Um, And sometimes that's not the best thing to do. Um, But anyway, uh, with John Wesley, um, my whole focus here was basically to examine that um, his marriage was under fire and that both of them seemed to contribute to that fire. Um, there was another example that we came across and it was an article in CBN, um, Wilmington, North Carolina. It was about a gentleman. His name was, I believe Jay Martin was a pastor. And, uh, this, this is probably a modern day approach to what 
could have happened with John Wesley if he was not careful. Um, but this pastor, he was talking to CBN, and he said that you know he was a married man, and um, he'd been married for 18 years. Um, he said he was a working parent, uh, so he, you know he worked with the church. His wife was a, a travel nurse. They had kids. Um, they didn't really have a lot of time for each other. And he said that um, he went on a missions trip, and there was a woman that he met there that was a co-leader with a group of kids, and she needed counsel and somebody to talk to about her problems in her marriage, and he was more than willing to listen. I, one of the most nerve wracking things to me is when someone approaches me for advice on something of that nature. If it's of my own, if it's, a, if it's another man, I'll talk to another man, no problem. If it is a woman, I am sorry. I, I don't, I don't like that. I just don't, it is too uncomfortable to me. And to me, it can lead through, it can lead you to ruin if you're not careful. And that's what happens to this guy because, and I'm just kind of giving you the abridged the bridge version here. He counseled her and they talked and talked and talked. And there was a connection that was established. Okay. An emotional one, not physical, but emotional. He comes back to preach at his church and he's almost cold to his wife. Something's wrong. She's like, is there anything wrong? He's like, no, I'm fine. He c continues to call this person, and they're basically doing emotional dumps on each other. Eventually, he gets a plane ticket and flies out there to, 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 to spend time with her, and he claims nothing physical happened. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But later, word got out to his church. Somebody said something about they thought something was going on, and he confessed. And his wife was just absolutely destroyed over that. And uh, he... he uh, he made a comment to her, and he said, um, his wife, he said, uh, God did not reject Israel when she was unfaithful because they, they were like, well, what are we going to have to do, divorce? And he looked at her, he's like, God did not reject Israel when she was unfaithful, and she replied, don't hold me there. I'm not God. I'm just devastated. And it's basically that she was so, it is so, e let me say this, it is so easy because a religious leader or a pastor or a layperson has God as a crutch to fall back on because you can sit there and say, you can just absolutely uh, be involved in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in an affair or whatever. And then all of a sudden come back and say, Oh, but the Lord has forgiven me now. Well, I don't know that. I don't know the true intentions of your heart. I don't know what's going on behind that door. Only God knows, but I know what you've just done. Mm -hmm. I know what you did. That's all I can base my reaction on. And for you to lean back on God, well, you know, yeah, I did that as whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you, 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 you pull that card. I see that happening so many times where, but God has forgiven me. I'm a, I'm a changed man now. And how many times before I've seen people say that and then they, guess what? They go right back down the same path they just came from. You can't trust that. And that is why she's sitting here and she's kind of like, yeah, I, I can't really do that. It takes time. It takes forgiveness, and it takes a clean track record. It takes a clean track record to show that you are definitely a champ. I can't sit there and you do something last week, 
like I'm, I'm not saying you personally. I'm, I'm looking at you as I'm saying <laughs> yes, this. I did yeah. something last week. <laughs> no, I'm week. saying that from her perspective, probably <laughs> what she's thinking is based on what happened. We just found out about this. You just confessed to me. Probably wouldn't have said anything for a much longer time period, right. Unless somebody in the church would have presented this, and, and it probably would have gone further. Yes, who knows? And that may have saved his. That may have saved his soul and his marriage that somebody said something, but. You, you, then you both are sitting down having a cry fest and you're trying to hug it out and discuss what's happening. And then to say, well, you're not going to divorce me, are you? Uh, the Lord is already, you know, the Lord didn't divorce. Uh, the Lord didn't divorce Israel. Don't pull that card on me. Don't yeah. play that card. This is not the same. This yeah, is apples th- and oranges. Th- this ain't going to work with that. No, 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 no. You, we've, we've got, we've got, we've got some work to do. We've got a reputation to rebuild. We've got character to reanalyze. And uh, we, we've got a whole bunch of hurt here. That needs to be worked with. We got to go to marital counseling. We got to go to, <laughs> we got some stuff that needs doing here. You just can't say, well, the Lord's forgiven you. I embrace you as well. Oh no. Oh no. Humans are different. There's a, there is a gash, a deep emotional gash. It took you time to create that gash and to be in that affair. It's going to take you time to fix your marriage. Twice as long, because I will tell you that a slap across the face or a punch to the jaw or a split lip from a physical abuse is going to heal a lot faster than the emotional abuse right. and that mental abuse. And when I say that, that is a scar. That is that is an emotional, it is an emotional abuse. Right. When there's an affair that ends up happening. And, you know, any, and this coming from the therapist side of me, um, if I ever have any clients who are anywhere, or anyone that's asking advice, I always, you start here. You start by sitting down with your significant other, make it a romantic dinner, whatever. Don't line sign them, but um, start out with what asking each other or telling each other, what do you need from our relationship? Yeah. What do you need from me? And I think that what the mistake that was made here was where he counseled this woman on his own at the, and the reason probably being in his head, this is a private issue. And she values the fact that I am a pastor and keeping this private and she feels that she can talk to me. I'll tell you in a situation like that, you gotta, if you're a pastor, it takes two. If you're married your wife is not just stuck on the sideline. Or if you're a woman and you're out there doing the Lord's work, your husband's not on the sideline. It has got to be a combined effort here. It has got to be. And there has to be trust both ways, and you have to be open. If the, he was, if that was me, I'd have said, hey, Janelle, there's this woman that's at the church, and she, has, uh, she messaged me here, and she says she's having some issues with the marriage. I want you to be aware of this, and anytime we respond, uh, a response is made, I want you there with me to see this as this is going on. Okay, and to to have that kind of thing. Furthermore, I would probably talk to this person, and now that I'm married, and say, "Hey, by the way, uh, with my wife, I want you to know I'm very open with my wife. And um, if we are going to converse on Facebook like this, and you have your your concerns, I would like to put us in a group together with my wife because I would feel more comfortable that way." I feel that's the proper way of handling that. With and the it, same confidentiality because yes. it goes as a pair. Yes. You know, my dad had an entire board that was full of women. Yeah. His, and when they had their board meetings, the door was cracked, and my mom was out in the um, Sunday school rooms decorating or doing whatever, but she was always present. Right. 
I mean, my dad wouldn't know if anyone was hitting on him to save his life. I mean, how many times he's come home and he said, well, this happened. And mom's like, yeah, you got hit on. And he's like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) had no clue. (laughs) It's, um, there's definitely boundaries that have to be established. And maybe there, maybe it's partially a situation where you innocently go, innocently go in. I don't think that man, this pastor here, when he went into this situation, I don't think he felt that he was doing his wife an injustice. I think he's like, okay, I got to help this person. Mm-hmm. And he starts to help her, but then it starts to go out of control because you start to build an emotional bond. The moment he felt that, he should have sat down with his wife and said, hey, we got a problem here, and I need for you to be with me with this because mm-hmm. this is a little something that needs to be shared between the two of us, not just me. And he even said later on in the article here, he said, I knew things were wrong when he woke up. And he said the first thing on his mind was that other woman. And I thought, oh, dear, no, no, no. At that moment, you've gone too far. You need to stop right now. So there, there are boundaries in a marriage must be established when it comes to trust and the potential for trust to be violated. Yeah. Something has to be established in order to prevent any kind of erosion that could take place in the marriage because the marriage today is under attack by the devil. He hates the marriage. He hates the family. He hates um, any of that hierarchy that God has established and the proper process God has established. He would prefer that there be absolute chaos and uh, just a complete discombobulated mess says God is not the author of confusion. Well, if God is not the author of confusion, who is? Well, that's that's the devil or Satan. So in this situation, there should have been a boundary that was established. I counsel, but my wife counsels with me. Even if she if she's like, no, I, I don't want to talk about all that stuff, that's fine. I want you to know I'm talking to this person. Mm-hmm. And, the, and here, what's going on? Here's, yes, and I, I don't care if I give you an update every day. You've got to know. And I think the same thing with Wesley. There should have been boundaries where you're not going to you're not going to um, exchange the type of letters that you did before you were married. You don't tell someone you lead me straight into God's presence. I don't care what time period you're in. That is that's a bit that that's more than a bit. That is strong. You don't say that. I mean, I was very very careful. I mean, we've talked about. Um, a couple boundary issues that were happening with, um, at the time, a friend of mine um, and her husband. She could talk to me all day long. Mm-hmm. She could pour her heart out to me all day long. I was fine with that. I didn't have much advice because I had never been in a relationship before. But, I mean, I did a little just because I came from a healthy... You are a friend. My, I was a friend. Yeah. And my, my watched my parents' healthy marriage. Like, right. So... Um, but I never let her husband vent to me. Mm-hmm. On the rare occasion, he would catch me outside, and it was like verbal vomit. And <laughs> one occasion, and it wasn't about anything with her. It was about his mom. And they weren't even complete sentences. And mm-hmm. in the rare occasion that it happened where I could not stop it, I always went right back in got on my phone, text her and said, Hey, is everything okay? Because this just happened. Right. And in that case, he was really, really irritated because his mom was an addict and there was a lot of stuff that was happening and it was pretty heartbreaking, but I was not that confident because he needed to do that with his wife right? or another 
dude friend. Right. He needed another man to talk to in that right. regard. Not another one. Not, not the, not the no. woman who lived across the street. No. And I think women need that one person that they can literally spring anything off of. Right. But it has to be a safe friendship. Looking at uh, another situation that took place here a while back, um, a couple years ago, some people are familiar with the name Perry Stone, and he's really done a lot of uh, prophetical ministry. Like he does a lot of uh, um, conferences and things talking about uh, prophecy and, and the rapture of the church and various things like that. It, he has a lot of interesting things. But regardless of his content, he himself as well is susceptible to the same things because he himself went into some... Um, controversy where uh, there was some, he had some inappropriate actions towards, I believe it was a secretary in his, in his um, office. And um, it was probably, it was definitely not the best thing. It was enough to where his board told him that he needed to have some counseling. Um, and he made a statement. He said, um, he said, I confess at times as Perry Stone. He said, I confess at times I've been inappropriate and all this weariness of just nonstop ministry. Stone said in the message, I let my guard down. And I've asked, of, of course, God to forgive me for that. He goes on to talk about asking forgiveness from his wife and other things like that. But honestly, I think there is some truth to that, that there is a weariness and nonstop ministry. And I think that if you're not careful, your ministry can devour your time to where your marriage uh, and that relationship with your spouse can suffer. And there's not a, as much time dedicated to it. And it will cause erosion if you're not careful. And then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, here's someone else around the corner um, who is able to listen to your troubles and listen to your problems. And there is a connection that begins. And the next thing you know, you're so far left of center from where you should be. And you go, where in the world, how did I get here? Well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and a relationship didn't fall in a day. Right. There's, there's a, a problem and it took time to develop. And, um, I think that either there needs to be that they're, they're just, it's kind of what we're talking about. There has to be boundaries here mm -hmm. and whether it's not wearing yourself out to the point where the fatigue could possibly cause that, uh, or where you and your spouse become so busy in the ministry that, um, there is a lack of intimacy with your details and your, and I'm not just referring to anything sexual. I'm saying the majority of this stuff has an emotional beginning. The emotional side then leads to yeah. the sexual side. Some of these people never fell into the sexual side, but the emotional side was bad enough because they felt like they were confiding and dumping their life's details into another woman. And that is wrong. And then that builds that on both ends because even though men are more logical, they still have emotions. They still have an emotional tank right. that needs to be filled. It may not be, <laughs> their emotional tank may not be as big as a woman's yes. emotional tank, but they still have an emotional tank and they still have to be fed emotionally. Right. And if the spouse isn't doing that, that's when you start having those conversations. What can I do for you? How, do, how, and it needs to be on both sides. Both spouses need to be pulling for the opposite one and filling that tank daily. Right. And if you have kids, and I know we don't have kids yet, but I'm going to put this out there anyway. Guess what? The kids are not the most important people in the home. Right. Because if the marriage falls apart, it's going to damage the kids. Yep. You have to, you have to put yourselves first. And it sounds selfish, but you have to. Because if you do not put yourself first and you do not maintain that marriage and maintain one another and feed each other emotionally and yes, sexually, but emotion, 
your emotional sides are going to be more affected daily than the sexual side. That happens occasionally, but the emotional side is what will get you into trouble if you're not careful. Yeah. If you do not service and maintain that, it will lead places that you wish you'd never gone. Well, I mean, if you don't feed and maintain that emotional, the sexual side isn't going to be there either because well, true, if you're not, true. I mean, right. it's just not going to. And that's right. why if you start with an emotional affair and you don't stop it, it will turn sexual Right. at some point. And who knows, you know, the timeline of that could be different with everyone. But if given enough time and not checked and right. not found out, it will lead to a sexual an affair. You know, Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and I love this part, and they shall be one flesh. I like to look at that in more ways than one. Some people like to put it that as like, oh, that's a sexual connotation. Mm, you, can, you can say that if you want to put that swing on it, but I will tell you that it means that yours is mine and mine is yours. We become one. There's nothing between us. There's nothing hidden. Everything is open. Everything is free between us. And I think if more people practice that literally in their marriages, especially with regards to the ministry, we would not have the problems we have today with these situations. Yeah. We would not. And I saw, uh, again, this was TikTok, uh -huh. but it was Christian TikTok, and um, it was this woman, and she, you know, she was standing, it was just standing there, and it was just words that came across the screen with, you know, I can't, what Christian song was playing, but mm -hmm. um, the words were, if, <laughs> if, um, if our girls feel like their father and their mother are more important than their new family mm -hmm. that they've created by their God-given spouse, then we failed. Mm -hmm. We failed our girls, and we failed God. Mm -hmm. There has to be a priority placed on the spouses. And it doesn't mean that you walk away from your family and that you just don't no. have anything to do with your family. That's not what no. we're saying. We're saying that the priority is on the new family that God created. Right. There has to be a complete trust between the two of you. Um, and for those of you listening that are in ministry that are pastors, pastors' wives, um, you both are in that together. And... Um, if anyone, and I would just say this because this, it's always a counseling situation that starts or correspondence somehow through Facebook or whatever, make that all open to your spouse and tell the person asking for guidance, by the way, I trust my wife as I trust myself and she knows everything that goes on and I am going to also include her in on this because I value her input. Or you say the same thing about your husband if somebody approaches, or, yeah. you know. Or you flat out say because of the gender, because of the gender differences, right. to protect us both. Because in this society, right, you it's better if my wife or my husband is involved in this. Right. Your confidentiality will remain the same. Yep. We are as one. You are a series of messages away. Anyone in ministry is a series of Facebook messages away to one day being in church and someone standing up in your congregation and saying, you did this to me or you said this to me or you hurt me in this way and destroying you utterly. Yeah. Do not give them room for that. And how you, how you avoid that situation is by keeping everything open. Keep the relationship in the light between the two of you, your, the husband and the, and the wife, and maintain it that way. 
There are no secrets. It is completely open. If someone asks for counseling, the other person knows about it. You do it together. And uh, even if the one is like, you know what, I really can't take this, some of the details, the person's really whatever, blah, 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 I don't care. You, you, you have to know about this and be included on it because it protects. Yeah. It protects you both. And it strengthens both of you to where there's nothing. And that's why some people like to poke fun at the fact that why uh, you'll have a husband and wife sometimes on Facebook have the same Facebook account. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. You know, uh, some people choose not to do it and there's a level of trust there. Other people feel that they have it together and, and that's totally fine and everything's open. And I completely respect that. I don't poke fun at it at all. I get it, especially right. in today's day. Um, so... That'd be hilarious if they had a situation where you can marry your account to where like (laughs) you get married and you submit an application to Facebook and then it will take the accounts and the friends lists and combine them and get rid of the duplicates (laughs) and everything. And so that way you could both be together and it would just kind of, that would be interesting. That would be be a neat comment. You hear me, Facebook? You know, I know you listen to everything else because I talk about having to get cat food and I get ads for it. So, I mean, come on. You hear that? Put that out there. That'd be kind of cool, you know, because that'd be something you could pick, you know, do if you wanted to do, but. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind having the same Facebook. Yeah. It's all about trust. But I trust you 100%. You have the code to my phone. I have the code to yours. I feel no need to go through your phone. Yeah. Well, you're not as, you're you're not ugly like I am. So you can't hold my phone up and look at it and it'll unlock for you. So you just have to use the passcode. I will tell you though, that my mom, I can break (laughs) into her phone using her facial identity. Oh my, don't tell her that. And she knows that. Okay. Well. Because it happened more than once and then it then it stopped working and then it started working again. So I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> you know, that did not sound good. Don't tell her that. That's the complete opposite of what <laughs> I've been saying today. <laughs> yeah, uh, she couldn't get into my phone though. Wow. It was only me into her phone using facial recognition. I remember you did that one time. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You all were sitting there talking about it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's about all we wanted to cover tonight. Um, when it comes to your relationships... Uh, whether in ministry or out of ministry, uh, having an open relationship with one another uh, where you're, you trust one another completely and you know what's going on and there's no secrets held back. People need counsel. People ask for help or whatever. Don't, don't hold on to that just to the one person. Make that open to the other person. They will appreciate that. You will feel better about it and you'll be more protected because of it. Um, so I, I just none of these people that I've covered this evening had intentions of getting to that point where their relationships would be hit in such a hard way. Uh, looking at John Wesley, looking at Perry Stone, looking at this Jay Martin gentleman who was a pastor and, and looked like Wilmington, North Carolina on CBN, but they none of them set out thinking that their marriages would Mm-mm. be hit so hard. But all it took was either, in one case, a letter or a conversation or a Facebook message. That's all it took. And because it remained private, there, there was a, almost like an element of secrecy, and it just devolved into something that it should not have been. And I think that's the key, the secrecy. Yes. So even if you're not having issues in your marriage, do a checkup. Have a romantic date. Figure out, ask the questions. Find out the goals of your relationship. What are the goals of our relationship? Yes. Where do we want our relationship to go? And then... Find out if you're feeding your spouse and filling their emotional tank. Right. And if something needs to change, change it. Right. You also have to have all of those conversations without becoming defensive if you find out that you are not feeding. Right. In their way. And that comes back to kind of the love languages a little bit. It does. It does. And we've covered that probably about, I don't know, 20, 20 episodes ago. You gotta, you've got to feed them in their way. Right. And it's really easy to feed in your own way. 
Yeah, if anybody wants to, go back go back about 20 episodes or so, and you'll see some episodes that we did based on love languages. And um, those are very important. Uh, you can, I think I may have put the link in there about that, or you can Google mm-hmm. it, the love languages, um, and uh, it'll it's tell you. It's a free you, quiz. Yeah, and it will, you learn about each other and how you best feed one another. And uh, It's a great date night thing. It is, it is. So with that being said, be careful out there because Satan is looking to destroy the family. He's looking to destroy the church. He's looking to destroy the future, um, uh, the future church, and uh, the future Christian leaders of tomorrow. And he wants to do what he can to throw as much mud and dirt on them as he can. And um, he may seem some, like something insignificant uh, initially, uh, but he can take something small and use it to bring down just about anyone. So with that, you have anything else you want to add? I'm good. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Stay prayed up, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We'll chat at you next time. See you.